go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. TFB with RIC. It's the football playbook here on this Monday, September 19th, 2022. It's an Eagles game day. Monday night football. Woo! Part 15 edition here. Unbelievable. Uh, on the Jacob Sports Network. It's all brought to you by Ocean Casino Resorts. And we got a jam-packed show for you tonight. Counting you down to that Eagles-Vikings showdown. Woo! A game that I think is going to be wild. I think this is a contest matchup. It could come down to the last possession. We're going to get into it all morning long. Thanks for waking up here on the Football Playbook with your boy, RIC, Rick Saratella, telling like it is when it comes to the Philadelphia Eagles, the NFL, college football. Oh, by the way, did you see Appalachian State again? I'll try to sneak in some college football later. That was an amazing game. But tonight we're going to focus on uh, Philadelphia Eagles. It's going down 8.30 p.m. at the link. Woo, sold out affair. Tickets I saw were going for like 1500 bucks last time I checked. Wow. Wow. Okay, Philly Dilly. Speaking of, shout out to all our chat room people. I see you, General J.D. Wick, all my chat room people waking up with us today. Hit the like button. It's an early, early start to the show. But we're going to take you right up to the 12 o'clock hour, followed by the sports take guys. Um, and if you don't have the 1500 to throw down for an Eagles ticket, I think the average cost was somewhere around 300 bucks for tonight's game, but they're going for as much as 1500. If you don't have the 1500, or if you want to invest that 1500 in other ways, Ocean Casino Resorts in Atlantic City tonight, Eagles pre and post game right here on the Jacob Sports Channel. You can hang out at the gallery, you can get some action in, you can hang out with the crew. Come mingle with the Jacob Sports uh, Familia. You never know who's going to be hanging out at the gallery uh, for the Eagles pre and post game. So, you know, let's get into it. We'll get into the NFL around the league later on in the show. Wild, wild week two. Some amazing, exhilarating thrillers. Some comebacks. Some furies. We're not talking about Tyson, but it was close to it. Uh, I can't wait to dig in with that. We'll get... Howard Balzer, of course, Philadelphia native, later on in the show, uh, talking some some birds. Of course, he was on location for that wild Raiders-Cardinals game. We'll pick his brain about that. And, uh, hey, we got people checking in from Finland. I told you, we're the Mr. International on this show. Tell me where you're checking in from this morning, whether it's the States, Canada, across the pond, Africa. We got listeners worldwide. It's what we do here on the football playbook. And so let's continue to break down this Philadelphia Eagles, Minnesota Vikings matchup. And I think based on yesterday's action, it's still early. It's week two. 
a lot of football left to be played. Injuries obviously are going to dictate a lot of the RIC power rankings. But in terms of the NFC, at least, I think you're starting to see who the contenders are, right? And the Eagles and Vikings, I put them in that contender category. Even though it's based off of one week, you got to like what you saw from the Vikings. You got to like what you saw from the Eagles. Oh, by the way, it looks a lot better after what the Lions did to the Commanders yesterday. We'll get more into that later in the show. Tomorrow will be Commanders week. But today it's about the Vikings because on paper, on What's going on, Eagles fans? Lost Rick there for a second, but he will be back in a moment now. As he was leading up to, this is a big week for you Philadelphia Eagles. We have the Minnesota Vikings, and let's be totally honest, it begins up front. The trenches is where it begins. Your Philadelphia Eagles cannot afford to waste time when it comes to the Minnesota Vikings. If they allow Kirk Cousins to pitch and catch that ball, it's going to be curtains. But it begins with the running game. You see, Dalvin Cook is one of those running backs that has that perfect combination of quickness, elusiveness, speed, and power. But that offensive line for the Minnesota Vikings is relatively suspect, if you ask me. But again, I believe the Minnesota Vikings are going to come out with this mindset. And I wouldn't blame them if they did so. Show me you can stop the run. Think about last week against the Detroit Lions. Your Minnesota, your Philadelphia Eagles struggled to tackle in space. They struggled to tackle guys in general. They missed about 15 to 16 tackles, if I'm not mistaken. I, I think that's the number. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong, and you know we'll continue to get the show popping. But your Philadelphia Eagles missed about 15 tackles. That can't happen again. So I fully anticipate Kevin O'Connell and those Minnesota Vikings I fully anticipate those guys to force the Eagles to tackle their players in space. What's stopping Kevin O'Connell from saying, okay, Nick Sirianni, okay, Jonathan Gannon, I see what you guys are, I see I see the flaw. I know you guys are going to try to fix it, but I want you to prove it to me. I want you to prove to me that you can not only stop my rushing attack, but I want you to prove to me that you can tackle my guys in space. Because the Minnesota Vikings have playmaker after playmaker after playmaker, Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook. Um, Adam Thielen, don't sleep on Adam Thielen. He hasn't been talked about at all these past several days. And I understand he had a quiet week one. And I understand that Justin Jefferson is the guy. But you cannot sit here and sit on your hands and pretend Adam Thielen is not a threat. I understand Adam Thielen is a player who is aging. He's north of 30. Um, but he's a, he, he's a red zone threat. He's a pure route runner. And he's a pretty physical guy. So he's someone you have to consistently keep your eye on. But I, I firmly believe as, as dangerous as Justin Jefferson is, I think this game begins and ends with the trenches. This is the perfect game for Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave to, to bounce back. Last week, what did they do? Nothing. Nothing. So this is going to be an important week for the Philadelphia Eagles. My man RIC and the place to be is back in full effect. So let's get my man back in the show. I'm going to drop off. Y'all know who I am. Tone this just a second. More conversation to come. Keep it locked on the football playbook. Let's take a quick break, you guys.
go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go Bird! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go Birds. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Back at it again, TFB with RIC here, part 15. We'll try it again. It's why they play the games, people, because no matter what it says on paper, you can sit here, you can prepare, you can practice, you can get ready for game day, you can get ready for the show. Something is bound to happen that is out of the ordinary. So RIC, Rick Saratella here in the place to be. Shout out to Tone holding it down uh, through our minor technical difficulty there. But what I wanted to get into tonight or today was tonight's matchup. The Eagles are 14 and 9 in prime time since 2017. This is the first of five games on prime time this year. So get used to it. Philadelphia fans going to be a lot of late nights during this season. Hopefully, uh, you know, they extend into the winter months as well. And you talk about prime time, you talk about Kirk Cousins, who has a terrible record in prime time, even worse on Monday Night Football. Now he has won his last two Monday night football games, but he is two uh two and nine. <laughs> two and nine. 
two wins in 11 games on Monday Night Football. So when the big stage is on and the brights are light, and Kirk Cousins maybe tends to get blinded by the glare, too big of a stage, see if he likes that tonight at the link. Two explosive offenses, by the way. I think this is going to be an over. Uh, Eagles holding steady at minus two and a half. We'll get to predictions later on in the show. Over under at 50. You know, after what I saw at that Lions matchup last week, I think this game definitely goes over. We want to see better ball distribution on the offense, obviously, in terms of the passing game, right? That's the big thing in the on the offense. I think the, the run game, you'll still see a balanced attack. Hopefully Jalen Hurts doesn't have to run it 17 times and absorb 20 hits this game. But you would imagine the Eagles continue to go back to the ground game. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Continue to win on the ground. But in that passing game, Goddard, three catches for 60 yards last week. I'd like to see that number. Slight uptick would be good. Devonta Smith, we need to get him into the mix. We need to get the ball in his hands. I know he had the drop last week, but you talk about route running, separation, this Viking secondary, which is very vulnerable. We'll get into that in a minute. Devontae Smith should benefit because A.J. Brown, after last week, probably is going to see some safety help. I don't know if that's Harrison Smith or Cam Bynum over the top. You want to put Patrick Peterson on A.J. Brown? You're in trouble. You are in trouble. Patrick Peterson, on six targets last week, he gave up four catches and a big drop to Christian Watson, which should have been an 80-yard touchdown. So on six targets, he gave up four completions and a big drop. Patrick Peterson, he's playing on the last nine. I mean, this is the matchup. You've got to take advantage of if you're the Eagles offense. On defense, it's all about Jonathan Gannon. We've got the bullseye on you, my man, because, you know, I hear on this network right here on Jacob Sports, I hear I hear the hosts debate. Is it the personnel? Is it the scheme? Is it the personnel? Is it the players? We talked about it last week. You know, Ed Donatell on this Vikings defense who runs the Vic Fangio scheme, 31 years of experience. Jonathan Gannon is a defensive back quality control coach who's got one year of experience as a defensive coordinator. So, so maybe it's a knowledge thing. Maybe it's an experience thing. Just saying, because when you blitz 15% of the time, which is the lowest in the NFL, maybe it's a scheme thing, <laughs> right? Because everybody runs the Vic Fangio defense, according to our good friend Johnny Mack. At least a third of the league, maybe half. But why is it Jonathan Gannon doesn't blitz 15% in week one? 15 Percent, in case you didn't hear me, Mr. Gannon, numbers got to come up. So just for, just for ish and giggles, I went and looked to see what was Vic Fangio's blitz rate. 
His last year in Chicago, 23.5% blitz rate amongst the top five in the league. On average for his career, Fangio blitzes about 20.5% of the time. His last year in Chicago was 23.5%. Jonathan Gannon's at 15% blitz rate. My eyes are on you, sir. Because I will bring in Vic Fangio from the Philadelphia Eagles. As a consultant, as an assistant head coach, I'm not saying Gannon has to go. What I'm saying is Fangio can save the season because based on what I saw in week one, based on what everybody tells me last year about Jonathan Gannon and his conservative lack of aggression play calling, Eagles defense is in trouble. That's just calling it like you see it. Did you not see that last week against the Lions? Because I saw it. And I'm going to continue to hound on that until Gannon gets it right because he said it's on me to make the adjustments. Okay. Well, I want to see you dial up the pressure. More than 15% of the time. I want to see Justin Jefferson... Jammed up at the line of scrimmage. I don't want these easy get-offs. I don't want these 7 to 10-yard cushion zone type of coverage that allows Jefferson and Thielen to work their routes and do damage after the catch. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that, Jonathan Gannon. So it is on the scheme. It's on applying the pressure more. You can run the Fangio defense, but if you're not aggressive with it, then you ain't running the same defense. That's called scheming. When you drop a corner's quarter coverage, everybody's playing quarter coverage, but is everybody playing seven to 10 yards off the line of scrimmage? That's scheming. And these 15 missed tackles from last week that everybody's talking about and blaming on the club med atmosphere and training camp, I get it. But I had to go back and look it up. Do you know... Nick Sirianni was here as the head coach last year. Do you know that he ran a cushion training camp last year? And did you know that the Eagles led the NFL with the fewest missed tackles in 2021? In the entire league, they had the fewest missed tackles, 6.2 per game. So I'm not blaming the club med atmosphere. That is personnel. So it's a combination because the personnel has got to step up and make tackles to go from six missed tackles a game to 15, almost three times as many is unacceptable. So here's looking at you, Fletcher Cox. Here's looking at you, Hassan Reddick, and your homecoming. Here's looking at you, Marcus Epps, who got dragged like a rag doll into the end zone last week on a couple of plays. Wrap it up, be a man, and bring them down because that's on you, the players. Arm tackles are going to get you killed. Arm tackles? Call Dalvin Cook a murderer then. If you're going to come out and try to arm tackle Dalvin Cook, call that man a murderer. Put him on death row. 
Put him on America's Most Wanted because he's going to slice and dice and carve up the Eagles game. Oh, baby. Dalvin Cook is licking his chops. Licking them good. Almost like the piccalilli wings I brought home from Atlantic City the other day. Oh, the Eagles defensive line. They can't tackle for nothing. You want to come with those arm tackles? Buckle up. It's a double chin strap affair when you play the Vikings. Oh, by the way, Alexander Madison will gas you too if you let him. Teron Jackson, probably going to be activated. He was inactive last week. So, Teron Jackson, Patrick Johnson, maybe gets thrown into the spotlight here. I know Patrick Johnson has been kind of uh, backing up Hassan Reddick. He plays a little defensive end. He plays a little linebacker. Here's something I learned over the weekend. Did you know that? All the overhang players, when they do the positional meetings for the Eagles defense, all the overhang players, which is what, the defensive ends, the Sam linebackers, whether that's Patrick Johnson, Hassan Reddick, Teron Jackson, they all meet together with Jeremiah Washburn. Jeremiah Washburn meets with all the defensive ends and outside linebackers because they're supposed to be this interchangeable hybrid defense. Let's see it. Time to step your game up at home on prime time. Show me. Show me Jonathan Gannon. Show me Jordan Davis. Show me Hassan Reddick. Show me what you got. Show me what you're working with, as Mr. Coward used to say. Watch yourself. Watch yourself. So... When you trade up for Jordan Davis, you give up all that equity, you take him in the 14th pick overall. I want to see more than 22 snaps. I don't want to hear about his insecurities. I don't want to hear about Jordan Davis lacks the self-confidence. I don't want to hear about Jordan Davis is thinking too much. No, I want to see Jordan Davis gobble up double teams and eat space so that players can make plays around him. I don't care if he shows up in the box score. I want him to devour bodies and gobble up double teams and eat up space so that players like Hassan Reddick can get loose, get loose in the backfield and get after the quarterback. That's what you need to make happen tonight. Jonathan Gannon, otherwise tomorrow when I come back, I'll have Vic Fangy on line one, two, three, and four. By the way, Jalen Rager's making a return. <laughs> we talked about Patrick Peterson in the past game, and and I and I sang the praise of Jordan Hicks all week last week. It seemed like fourteen tackles, a sack, a fumble recovery. Word on the street is Jordan Hicks is a liability in pass coverage. So there comes Dallas Goddard. I don't know who's going to guard Goddard. Is it going to be Harrison Smith? Is it going to be Jordan Hicks? Is it going to be a combination? If Smith comes down and covers Goddard, well, Devonta Smith and A.J. Brown, that means they're going to have one-on-one coverage. Somebody's going to have a price to pay. Pick your poison, okay? Pick your poison tonight.
Jordan Hicks, I'm looking at you, bro. Patrick Peterson, I'm coming at you hard. Coming at you early. Patrick Peterson's a friend of the show. No, his pops. Good dude. Good family. Good people. Tonight, not going to be a good showing. I don't care if it's AJ or Devonta. Ain't going to be pretty for Patrick Peterson tonight. I can guarantee you that. There's going to be at least one play that Patrick Peterson causes his team six points tonight. Okay. So I want to see the pressure. I want to see better tackling. I want to see ball distribution on offense. Okay. We'll get more into this Eagles Vikings matchup as the show trickles on. We're just getting started here on the football playbook with Rick Saratella Monday, September 19th, 2022. It's our 15th show here. Hit the like button. We're going to come back, take a quick break. Make sure you get down to Ocean Casino Resorts for the pre and post game if you don't have tickets to the game. When we come back, I'm going to go around the NFL, going to go around the NFC East. We're going to talk about that wild, crazy Sunday right after we pay some bills. We'll be back right after this. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement. But would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, go first. and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call.
LFB with RIC here on this Monday, September 19, 2022. Counting you down to Eagles kickoff tonight at the link versus the Minnesota Vikings. We're just 10 hours away. People already camped out in the parking lot, I hear. Uh, tickets going upwards to as much as $1,500 for the Eagles home opener. Hey, like I said, you're better off going to Ocean Casino for the Eagles pre and post game. Reinvest that money in other ways. They got so many screens up there, you'll feel like you're in the stadium. Trust me when I tell you. And trust me when I tell you, week two of the NFL was a crazy, wacky, wild weekend affair. I'm going to go around the league here, rapid fire style, kind of tell you what I saw, what I heard, how it impacts the Eagles. So buckle up. It's a double chin strap affair. We're going to get right into it. And to me, the biggest storyline this weekend in the league where they play for pay, Jimmy G, remember me? <laughs> this guy could this guy could not stop hiding that grin post game, and I know he doesn't mean it. Maybe he does. Kept saying, "I've been there, I've done that, I understand it." Woo! We're gonna get to the Dolphins in a second, Daz. Shout out to all the chat room people: Adam, Big Birds, Daz, Michael. Danny, Gino, everybody waking up with us. Zozin, first time I've seen you there. Sean Brown, uh, of course, our guy, General JD, getting it kicked off. Hit the like button. Show your boys some love. If you got questions, we got answers. We're going get, to get into that Miami-Baltimore. But to me, the biggest storyline is Trey Lance. Broken left angle, ankle. You saw him deflated as he got carted off, right? In almost a surreal moment, I love the camera Great job by the cameraman, by the way, capturing Trey Lance getting carted off as Jimmy Garoppolo is getting under center. Next man up. The game stops for no man as the 49ers franchise quarterback is being carted off the field with a look of disarray. Jimmy G's buckled up, double chin strap, ready to go. 13 for 21, 154. Coming out of the bullpen. Suddenly, I like how the 49ers look, right? They didn't look so hot against the Bears week one. Suddenly, I like the 49ers again. I think they're a contender. This defense can be dominant. They completely shut down the Seahawks running game. And let's be honest, Geno Smith just cannot put a team on his back and will them to victory. So they shut down the run game. Bosa, two big sacks. He's a problem. The 49ers defense is stout. They get a big win, 27-7 over Seattle. Watch out for San Francisco. Our good friends, the Commanders, they traveled to the Lions. You know, for all the fanfare, you didn't hear a peep. You didn't hear nothing about the Carson Wentz-Jared Goff matchup. Believe it or not, once upon a time ago, circa 2016, these guys were one and two in the draft. <laughs> you believe it? Jared Goff and Carson Wentz, they went one and two in the draft. Here they are playing against each other on a Sunday affair that's, let's be frank, a meaningless ball game. <laughs> no one even cared. I didn't even hear the media say a peep about that. The Lions with... All three starters on the interior of their offensive line out. They run for 191 rushing yards. Amon Ross St. Brown goes off again. Amon Ross St. Brown 
is a player. Good friend of the show, by the way. Shout out. By the way, this offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson, despite having a terrible quarterback in Jared Goff, who, oh, by the way, left a lot of points on the board again. You're seeing the quarterback is hindering this Lions team. This quarterback is preventing the Lions team from taking the next step. However, despite all the mishaps, despite the overthrows, despite all the points that Jared Goff leaves on the board, Ben Johnson is a good one, man. That offensive coordinator there for Detroit, they got a good one. 71 points through their first two games with Jared Goff as their quarterback. This Lions offense is humming. Oh, by the way, huh, Aiden Hutchinson, three sacks, couldn't do much of anything against Lane Johnson last week. He had three sacks. I think Charles Harris had a sack. And the Lions bottled up Antonio Gibson, 14 carries for 28 yards. You know, Carson Wentz doing Carson Wentz type of things. That's why he's on his third team in six years. <laughs> number one and number two overall in 2016, playing a mini meaningless game on Sunday. Dallas 20-17 over the Bengals. Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush, how about that 2-0 as a starter? Uh, gets the Cowboys off the snide. And Micah Parsons was right in the middle of it all. Once again, no surprise there. Dallas defense actually played very well in this one. Bengals offense, what is up? What is up with Joey Burrow? You know, I saw a stat here, 13 sacks allowed through the first two games. That's detrimental. You know the last quarterback to survive that? I don't know if he survived it. The last quarterback to have, to endure 13 sacks through his first two games, David Carr of the Houston Texans. We all know what happened to Mr. Carr. He drove himself right out of the league because – he just couldn't stay healthy. And the mental clock, like we talked about Jalen Hurts getting rid of the ball 2.5 seconds, which is impressive. Joe Burrow has like not even two seconds to get rid of the ball. And he's coming off the appendix. He had his appendix removed just three weeks before opening day. Now he's taking all these hits, 13 sacks in two games. Bengals are in trouble. Dallas stays alive. Don't look now. Don't look now. The Giants, <laughs> who have, I believe, the Cowboys on Monday Night Football this week. Cowboys at Giants on Monday Night Football this week. The 2-0 New York Football Giants, who beat Carolina yesterday, 1916. What are they calling Wink Martindale? The Tank Commander? Wink Martindale, woo! Talk about a guy who dialed it up. That's what I want to see out of the Eagles tonight. Dial it up. Get after the quarterback. The Giants were playing without Kayvon Thibodeau, without Ojolari, and without Leonard Williams. They're three biggest pass rushers, and all they did was apply pressure to Baker Mayfield all game long. Even without their best three pass rushers. 
So the tank commander, Wink Martindale? Okay, I see you. I got news for you. The New York Giants are going to be a pest in this NFC East. We talk about every year a different team wins it. We never see a team coming out of the... Nobody, nobody talked about the Giants winning this division. Nobody did. I don't care what planet you live on. I didn't hear anybody talk about the Giants in contention to win this division. Guess what? Suddenly, <laughs> they got the Cowboys at home on Monday Night Football, followed by the Bears at home. They get by the Cowboys. This, they get by the Cooper Rush-led Cowboys this week. Giants are in prime position to be 4-0. 4-0. Even if they play 500 ball the rest of the way. Even if they play below 500 ball, they can go. What? They can go. They got 13 games left. They can go six and seven the rest of the way. Giants can play losing ball and still be a double digit win team. Probably going to beat the commanders one more time. Giants suddenly look like a team that, <laughs> you know, you had them counted out for dead. Be careful, my friends. Be careful. Giants are lurking. Brian Dable, I like that. I like the mentality after going through Pat Shermer, Ben McAdoo, Joe Judge. Brian Dayball is a breath of fresh air for the New York football Giants. Look out for them. Look out for Kenny Galladay. He might be <laughs> he might be on the trade block. I heard his whole locker was cleaned out. This guy, he got paid. He didn't want to play hurt last year. He wasn't injured. He was hurt. Doesn't want to play. This guy stinks, Kenny Galladay. $14 million a year for what? For that? David Gettleman. <laughs> God bless. So Giants, Cowboys, Commanders, they all have a, 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 a W on the board. Giants have two of them. Monday Night Football, a week from today. They could go 3-0, up 4-0 against Chicago. We'll see. Tampa Bay. Taking care of business, 20 to 10. This was a low-scoring affair for most of the game. Uh, you know, Tampa Bay is struggling. We talked about Tampa Bay, Green Bay, San Francisco. They all have their warts. Tampa Bay, ironically enough, is their offense. Their offense has just two touchdowns in two games. Oh, by the way, Tom Brady, did you see this report? Kind of flew under the radar. Wasn't talked about much that I saw. Oh, by the way, you know Tuesday's the player day off, right? Well, Mr. Brady, he's going to take Wednesdays off too. I thought this guy was all in on everything he did. M. Reyes in the chat. 
Giants are taking advantage of lucky plays and bad coaching. Doesn't matter. They're beating who's in front of them. They don't have to be a force, but if you start off 4-0, they got to be accounted for. At the end of the day, if you get a check mark in that left column underneath W, that's all that matters. As long as you beat up who lines up in front of you, Giants should beat the Cowboys and they should beat the Bears. They should be 4-0. We'll see in two weeks. But they're doing what they got to do. Tampa Bay did what they had to do. Despite not having Chris Godwin, Julio Jones, Mike Evans getting tossed. (laughs) Oh, by the way, Donovan Smith out. His backup at tackle out. Jason Wells. I mean, this is a battered and banged up Buccaneers offense. Tom Brady was winning with his fourth and fifth string wide receivers. I mean, you've got Godwin, Julio Jones out. Mike Evans, who was non-existent, by the way, gets tossed out. Him and his Marshawn-Latimer rivalry. I got news for you. Before Mike Evans got ejected in 14 snaps, he had one catch. Marshawn Latimer was shutting him down. Some frustration. And then he said, yo, that's my quarterback, Tom Brady, to the referee. He said, what do you want me to do? That's Tom Brady out there. That's my quarterback, man. All right, Mike Evans. I'll see you, bro. By the way, Jameis Winston, four fractured ribs, I think I saw, or four four broken bones or fractured bones that he's playing with in the rib or the back. That showed as Jamal Dean had two interceptions. So, you know, I think the New Orleans Saints had won like six games in a row after uh, in a row over Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, one of the lone undefeated teams, the Giants, the Bucks, the Dolphins and the Chiefs that we'll get into. Four teams out of 32. There's four teams that are 2 and 0. The Bucks and Giants are two of them. The Dolphins and the Chiefs in the AFC. How about that? After two, I know I think the Bills can be two and zero after tonight. The Eagles can be two and zero, but only four teams in the entire league are undefeated. New York Giants are one of them. Tampa Bay is another, and the LA Rams, who we will put in content as a contender in the NFC. I don't know. Two more interceptions from uh, Matthew Stafford yesterday. Five interceptions through his first two games. That throwing elbow, off-season procedure. I got to start wondering now. I got to start wondering what's wrong with this team. They beat the Falcons 31-27. This was a close game. What's up with the Rams? Is it a Super Bowl hangover? Is it a Matthew Stafford throwing elbow? Is it a combination? We'll give them the respect that they deserve because they're the king of the mountain or the defending champs, but not feeling great about the Rams, not feeling great about the Bucks with all their injuries, not feeling great even though we saw the Packers dismantle the Bears last night. We'll get into that one. Don't feel great after their week one performance. So the NFC still wide open, in my opinion, wide open. Oh, by the way, Jalen Ramsey had the game-clinching interception. He's been taking some criticism 
Not so fast, my friends. Jalen Ramsey is still one of the best in the game. So the Rams take care of business, 31-27. The Arizona Cardinals, you want to count them out? Well, <laughs> they're, Kyler Murray, I think, had the play of the day on that two-point conversion. <laughs> I'd love to know how many yards he actually ran for on the two-point conversion play because he that play lasted 20 seconds. So for 20 seconds, we talk about three seconds to have in the pocket. Granted, he was scrambling. Five seconds seems forever in the NFL. This guy had the ball in his hands for 20 seconds. He ran left. He ran right. He was on roller skates. He's making defenders miss. Finally, he gets the two-point conversion. 20-second play. Probably ran 60 yards to gain two. But that was the play of the day. Kyler Murray, uh, outstanding game. A 20-point comeback to defeat the Las Vegas Raiders. 29-23 to with the Byron Murphy fumble recovery there at the end. Courtesy of Hunter Renfro, who fumbled twice down the stretch in that game. The second one cost him the game. Arizona Cardinals live to see another day. They're still fighting in this NFC battle. And we talked about Green Bay last night, 27-10, taking care of business. Aaron Rodgers, he says, I own the Bears. Well, he's 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 rattled off seven wins in a row, 24-5. 24-5 and five lifetime record against the Chicago Bears. And believe it or not, Chicago had a chance to get back in this thing at the end of the game there, if you guys were watching. Terrible call. Terrible call by Matt Eberflus. Uh, it was fourth and goal. Fourth and goal. They needed inches. And they got Justin Fields in shotgun. Five, six yards behind the line of scrimmage. You need a couple inches. Coach, a couple inches will get you a first down or a touchdown. And you got Justin Fields and shotgun. By the way, on the replay, I thought he I thought he got over that goal line. I thought that was a touchdown. And that's why the instant replay sucks. Because if you can't be a man and make a call based on what you saw because it's inconclusive, get rid of the instant replay. I saw across the goal, but because it was inconclusive, we don't want to overturn calls. Well, why do you got instant replay then? That's annoying. 20 minutes of my time to tell me it's inconclusive. We all saw it cross the, cross the plane. So Green Bay, they rebound. They're one and one. Oh, by the way, Green Bay and Tampa Bay this week. Green Bay and Tampa Bay this week. Big, big game in the NFC in terms of early early season maneuvering. All right, let's go into the AFC. Somebody said the Dolphins, wow. I got to agree. Wow. Wow. I was wrong. Mickey, McD- Mickey McDaniels, I was wrong. Sorry. So far, Dolphins are looking good. 
Dolphins are looking like a contender two games into the season. A 21-point fourth-quarter comeback led by Tua. Tua! 469 passing yards, six touchdowns, 72% completion percentage. Oh, by the way, he found Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. You talk about ball distribution. Each one of these guys go for over 150 yards receiving. They each had 10 catches. Oh, by the way, first pair of teammates in NFL history to do that. Woo. And they win on the fuck it play. That's what Mike McDaniels called it in the post-game press conference. He said, we had a play. If things weren't going our way, Tua liked it. We would resort to it. And when all else failed, fuck it. We go to the fuck it play. Third and 10. They dial it up. Three wide. They go four wide. Three receivers to the left. Tyreek Hill, isolation on the right. One-on-one coverage. Fuck it. Throw it up to Tyreek Hill. That's how the Dolphins won that game. By the way, week three is... Week three shaping up to be separation week. Buffalo at Miami this week. How about that? We'll find out real quick if Miami's who who we think they are. Oh, by the way, Lamar Jackson. He wants franchise quarterback money, but he puts up stats like franchise running backs. I mean, uh, another 100-yard rushing game, his 11th of his career, most all-time, surpasses Michael Vick. Oh, by the way, this is your $50 million quarterback. He wants $50 million a year to run the ball. Dolphins taking care of business. We'll find out who they are this week when they host the Buffalo Bills. We'll get into the uh, – there's another game tonight, by the way, the Bills and Titans. We'll get into that later on. Uh, how about the Jets? Break up the Jets. Robert Saylor, he's keeping receipts. You got one on me, Coach. It's one, but you got us. Another big, big comeback in week two. The Jets down 13 points in the final two minutes. They come back and win this off of Jersey Joe Flacco, who goes for 307. Oh, by the way, Garrett Wilson. Maybe your rookie of the year. He had eight catches, 102 yards, scores the game-winning touchdown. The Jets, the Jets, they win, they win it. Nailbiter, 31-30 over the Cleveland Browns. And the talk is Zach Wilson might be ready for week four. I got news for you. <laughs> if I'm Robert Saylor, I'm pumping the brakes on that. I think Jersey Joe Flacco is the best quarterback for the Jets. Zach, take all the time you need, man. Please. Give me Jersey Joe. I'm good with that. Good with that. And I question whether or not he still had gas left in the tank. Woo! I'll 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 roll with Jersey Joe Flacco over Zach Wilson any day of the week, 10 out of 10 times. I don't care how old Joe Flacco is. 
Give me Joe. I saw somebody in the chat said uh, Doug Peterson just put the nail in Frank Frankie Wright's coffin. <laughs> Whew. I think that was our first shutout of the season, right? Jacksonville 24 nothing over the Colts. Surprised a lot of people. Not this guy. Not this guy. Now, the shutout is surprising. They shut down Jonathan Taylor. Matt Ryan. Woo, you got to start questioning. This guy's on. Five of 13 with three interceptions on passing plays that where the ball traveled more than 10 yards in the air. Matt Ryan was five of 13 with three interceptions. Not good, my friends. Not good. That is not good. So Jacksonville. 24, Indianapolis, zero. Of course, they tied Houston last. Suddenly, the Colts look to be in terrible shape. If they don't make the playoffs, who knows? Maybe Frank Wright could be on the hot seat. Speaking of hot seats, I I failed to mention Matt Rule in that Giants debacle. You know, it's funny because Matt Rule gave a courtesy call to the Giants when he got hired by the Panthers for 8 million a year, called the Giants and the Jets because he's a Long Island guy, said, hey, I just want to let you know I got this offer on the deal, uh, offer on the table. I want to be the head coach of the New York Giants. If you guys match it, I'm yours. Giants said thanks, but no thanks. (laughs) All of a sudden, Matt Rule, I hear, if the Panthers don't win this week, Matt Rule's out of here. Gone. Gone. See ya. Frank Wright, he might be next after that. They keep playing this way. They can't beat the Texans. They can't beat the Jaguars. Well, Chris Ballard will have to go fishing, Mr. Wright. New England 17, Pittsburgh 14. This was uh, the game. Nelson Aguilar, big, big 44-yard touchdown reception. He goes for over 100. But the story of this game is the Steelers' offense or the lack of. The play calling is very conservative with Mitchell Trubisky. Kenny Pickett. The chants are getting louder, right? Trubisky's completing just 59% of his passes. He only has 362 passing yards through his first two games. That's not going to cut the cheese, Mitchell. So can he make it to that bye week? What is it, week eight, week nine, Pittsburgh? I don't know. I think we're going to see Pickett before then. I think we're going to see Pickett before then. I think Trubisky, we know what you are. You are who we thought you were, a mediocre quarterback. Why not roll the dice with Pickett? The way they rally around Pickett, man, to me, that's the X factor. I think that could save the Steelers' season because right now they're not a playoff team, in my opinion. So we'll see how long Trubisky can hold on to that starting job. And then you got, you know, the Denver Broncos rounding out the AFC here who we thought could be a contender. So far, they're looking like pretenders. And Nathaniel Hackett, what are you doing? I mean, they're doing – I mean, I saw 
think one offensive series, they short yarded situation. They're running. They got the tight end and the wildcat. They're taking sacks. I mean, the play calling is atrocious. The last five goal line drives in that game, the the Broncos came up with zero points. So you want to blame Hackett, you want to blame Russell Wilson, whatever the case may be. They got to get it together there in Denver. They got to get their act together there in Denver. That's not a contender. That's a pretender. So we'll see how that plays out. If memory serves me correct, I think it was the second year of Peyton Manning in Denver where they went on to win the Super Bowl. So there was a year of transition. How did it go? Did they get crushed by the Seahawks in the Super Bowl and come back and win it? My memory is not so great, but I think it was the second year that Peyton Manning won the Super Bowl in Denver. This is a big transition year. Hackett, I don't know. I don't know about Nathaniel Hackett. I think he got that job because Denver thought they might have a chance at Aaron Rodgers in the offseason when that whole drama was playing out. And they settled for Hackett. I don't know. Russell Wilson, it's only a matter of time until he pops in coach's office, right, and says, yo, coach, we need to do X, Y, and Z. That's why Seattle got rid of him. I'm going to be keeping an eye on the Denver situation. The AFC a lot more competitive, I think, with the Chiefs and the Bills. Now you got the Dolphins. The Ravens were right there. I mean, the Ravens were my best bet. It was looking great. 21-point lead in the fourth quarter. The Dolphins, they're in, they're a contender until they're not. We'll find out this week against Buffalo. But the AFC is, is really a tough, tough. The Chargers are still in the equation. And we'll see. Tennessee didn't look so hot last week against the Giants. We'll get more into that Monday night football matchup when Howard Balzer joins us at 11.30 a.m. Eastern. But first, we're going to take a quick break, pay some bills. When we come back, we'll talk more about this Eagles-Vikings matchup, Monday night football. I'll try to dabble with some of the college football action. Hey, it's the football playbook here. You there. We'll be back right after this. It's all brought to you by Ocean Casino Resorts, your home for Eagles pre- and post-game. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Go passionately. 
Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, go first. and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. game on go for the beers go for the cheers go for the hit and the hits go for the stakes and the stakes go to get your parlay on go to get your party on go for the scene go for the screens go for the gallery go for the win go to ocean visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit Back at it again. It's the football playbook with Rick Saratella. I got my scouting notebook. We got NFL, college, NFL draft. Oh, by the way, 220 days away. Counting you down over at the NFL draft That's what we do over on the Sports Illustrated, our 21st year of coverage. Of course, proud partner with the NFL PA Collegiate Bowl and the Hub Football folks. Um, back to the Eagles, though. As we count you down now, just, oh, nine and a half hours until kickoff or so. Um, by the way, uh, great, great job out of game day. Kratz there on the Birds 365 show. We will have him tomorrow, um, from what I'm told, to recap the Eagles and get you ready for Commander's Week. And tomorrow's show, by the way, bookmark it because – we are going to kick off Commander's Week with a bang. We got Ed Kratz is the first guest. And then we'll have Ben Standing from The Athletic, the Commander's Beat writer there. And then Nikki Jabavala from The Washington Post. Of course, NFL Network and everything else. So we'll have Eddie Kratz on the Eagles recap. And then we'll have two Commander's Beat writers to get you ready for this week three 
showdown. It's a throwdown. <laughs> Extravaganza bonanza here on the football playbook. Now, I see big shout out to the chat room people. Hit the like button. We're just getting started on Jacob Sports. And I saw somebody say, what am I tuned into? You're tuned into the RIC in a place to be. I'm checking in from New Jersey. Sure broadcasting around the universe and that's what i do when i talk football bro i get passionate about it because this is what i do 24 7 365 we live breathe and eat this ish it's what we've been doing <laughs> welcome to the show thanks for buckling up appreciate the love and support hit the like button even if you don't like it please do me a favor I know some of you uh, are good Samaritans out there. Now, I see a lot of people clamoring for Jordan Davis. We'll see. We'll see. I think there's a real reason why Jordan Davis only played 22 snaps. So I don't want to hear about Jordan Davis had the third highest run stop win rate in the NFL. He played 20 reps. Kidding me? (laughs) Part-time player care about that did you see the play where logan stenberg blew him up by the way what a great scene in that lions locker room dan campbell calling out skipper dan skipper from indiana if you watched hard hard knocks then you know the turk came and got skipper he met with uh brad holmes and dan campbell there and they cut his ass well, suddenly he was starting this week. We mentioned the Lions picked up 191 rushing yards. He calls out Skipper. The whole locker room starts sk- chanting, skip, skip, skip. How cool is that for an undrafted free agent guy who was just cut a couple weeks ago? Skipper, Sternberg, third string guards getting it done for the Lions. Sternberg blew up Jordan Davis last week. Blew him up. So Jordan Davis... I think it's more here in the head mentally than physically. Again, I'm surprised the Philadelphia media didn't pick up on this. In his press conference, Jordan Davis said, I have self-confidence issues, thinking too much. I struggle with self-confidence. Woo! Not exactly what I want to hear for my 14th overall pick that I traded up to get. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Fletcher, uh, Jordan Davis, that's what he's supposed to do is eat up double teams, eat up space, and allow the players to make plays around him. He did that some of the time. The other parts of time, not so much, but Jordan Davis needs to step his game up needs to play better when he's in there. Yeah, I want to see more Jordan Davis. Absolutely. I want to see how the defensive line rotation, when Jonathan Gannon says, hey, it's up to me to make the necessary adjustments. It's up for me to make some changes. It's up to me to clean some things up. Well, number one, clean up the tackling. You went from six missed tackles a game last year, the best in the NFL, to 15 missed tackles in week one, the worst in the NFL. Clean that up. Apply the pressure, especially up the middle, 
up the gut. Did you see Brady getting so frustrated yesterday? Did you see the body language of Tom Brady because he was so pissed off about the pressure coming up the middle? That's how you rattle a quarterback. Take advantage of the offensive line where Garrett Bradbury gave up four pressures last week. Ed Ingram, the rookie right guard, gave up five pressures and a sack. Yeah, Jordan Davis, go get those guys. Marlon Tuapolotolo, go get that man. Milton Williams might even be a better option than Fletcher Cox at this point. If I was the Eagles, I'd, I'd have Fletcher Cox just running laps. Instead, they gave him a day off on Wednesday. They, they congratulated Fletcher Cox for being so out of shape so gassed, they rewarded his poor conditioning with a day off this week in practice. Good job. Good job, Fletcher. To me, that's the guy. Play more Jordan Davis, less Fletcher Cox, please. That offensive line is vulnerable, especially on the interior. We need guys like Jordan Davis, maybe even, maybe, dare I say, maybe Jordan Davis, even in pass rushing situations, might be able to create some havoc in the backfield against this interior defensive line because he's bigger, he's stronger, and he's faster than this Vikings offensive line. The Bradbury, Ingram. I got to go back to my all 22 breakdowns here. The, the Eagles defensive line should, should win against the Vikings offensive line. And I know Christian Darisol out of Virginia Tech, who I like. I heard Johnny Mack, I love you, baby, but he's no Penny Sewell. I heard you compare him to Penny Sewell. They're not even in the same stratosphere. And I like Christian Darisol. I, I scouted him in person. I was down on field. I said, who is this gargantuan giant that can move this way? Christian Darisol is good. He's nothing like Penny Sewell. And Brian O'Neill out of Pittsburgh. Grizzly veteran, good athleticism. Pretty damn good. He's no Lane Johnson, though. He's no Lane Johnson. So, to me, the Eagles should win this matchup. Even if it's Teron Jackson and Patrick Johnson, if that's what it takes. Hassan Reddick, though, to me, when he when he, when when he played the Vikings last year when he was on the Panthers, I think he had a bunch of tackles for loss, a bunch of sacks. Like, we, ne we need to... We need to stand up, Camden, and show us what a homecoming really looks like. I'm not talking about the homecoming you were at on Saturday, the Temple homecoming. No, I'm talking about your homecoming here at the link tonight. Sold out affair. Tickets going for 1500 bucks. Let's go. Let's go. Okay. The one thing I didn't discuss this week with the uh, Vikings tight end rotation, which was very curious to me, but when you break it down, maybe not so much because Irv Smith, who was a very uh, 
Was he a first-round pick? He went very high in the draft, that Irv Smith. But he's coming off an injury. He only played like 30% of the snaps. Johnny Munt. Johnny Munt is the guy, I think, who had 67% of the snaps and had like five targets last week. I think as Irv Smith continues to come off of that injury, Johnny Munt is the guy you got to gotta you gotta kind of account for. And even um, – I don't have it here in front of me. It's somewhere, but – even the third string tight end had about 30% snap rate. So they go 12 personnel, you know, quite often. And I'll find the breakdown for you, but I thought, I thought it was pretty interesting that of the three, the three tight ends that the Vikings employ, you know, it was, it was divvied up pretty equally and none of them are really going to make an impact like Dallas Goddard should tonight. Dallas Goddard should have a big game. He should have a big, big game because Jordan Hicks, he's a liability in pass coverage. And if he doesn't have a big game, then A.J. Brown or Devonta Smith should because it's pick your poison. Harrison Smith, if he has to come down and cover Dallas Goddard, A.J. Brown or Devonta Smith, Smith should make you pay. Okay? Just saying. So... I got some odds for you on tonight's game. You want to bring in N'Kobe Dean to shut down the tight end instead of Hassan Reddick? Oh, I don't want either one on the on a on a tight end. Uh, N'Kobe Dean's like five foot eleven, so if you put him on six foot four Irv Smith, I don't think it's going to go too well for you. Is Zadarius Smith really going to cover tight ends? I don't know. We'll see. I'll tell you what. Zadarius Smith, Daniel Hunter, even DJ Wanham, unlike Jonathan Gannon, the Vikings are going to be sending the pass rushers off their hurts frequently. All right. Some, some uh, odds, like I said, the Eagles – or sitting at minus two and a half, over under at 50. Some intriguing game props, though. Like, Jalen Hurts rushing attempts over under eight and a half. This is such an over. This is such an over. Eight and a half rushing attempts for Jalen Hurts. It's going to be way over. A.J. Brown over under 73 and a half receiving yards. If it's under, the Eagles ain't winning this game. That's a very low over under receiving total for A.J. Brown. 73 and a half. He had a buck 55, I think, last week. So you're saying on Patrick Peterson, he's only going to go for 73 and a half yards. I got the over all day there. All day. Jalen Hurts rushing yards over under 50 and a half. I think that's over too. Miles Sanders, just for comparison, is at 57 and a half. I think Hurts probably leads the team in rushing again. So if, if, 
If you're down there at the Ocean Casino Resorts for the Eagles pre and post game, get in on the over for Jalen Hurts rushing attempts eight and a half and rushing yards 50 and a half. I think those are easy overs. Easy. The one thing that stood out to me on defense, Marcus Epps over under five and a half tackles. There's going to be so many plays in this game. Epps is going to have tackles. I think he had 14 last week. He had double-digit tackles last week because he's the last line of defense. Five and a half tackles? Take advantage. Marcus Epps is going to have more than five and a half tackles. Those are just some things that stuck out, stood out to me. Um, in terms of passing yardage, they have Jalen Hurts at 236 and a half. They have Kirk Cousins at 278 and a half. Cousins probably goes for 300 in this game, I think. Hurts, I don't know. I think I see like 200, 210 yards passing for Hurts. Probably another 75 rushing. Dalvin Cook, this is another one that stood out to me. All those missed tackles the Eagles had. Dalvin Cook's only at 70 and a half rushing yards. I think Cook is going to carve him. I think Thanksgiving might come a little bit. I think th there, there might be Thanksgiving in September tonight, the way Dalvin Cook carves up the Eagles' defensive line if they're going to tackle like they did a week ago. 70 and a half, Dalvin Cook. Whew. I think he goes off. And then Justin Jefferson is set at 95 and a half. That sounds like a bargain. What do I know? But. I mean, this guy is setting records in terms of receptions, receiving yardage. Uh, 95 and a half seems like a value play on the over there. But, um, you know, we're going to have Howard Balzer coming up at 1130 a.m. Eastern. I'm going to try to sneak in some college football uh, for you here in this segment if I can. But first, I'm going to pop on tone from behind the stream onto the scene. He got some time there on the morning show with Jeff Kerr. I want to get him on the books, though, with an official prediction for uh, the football playbook show. Before we get there, though, Tone, uh, tell me what you're liking on this Monday night football morning. We're just, uh, oh, nine hours or so away from kickoff. Tell me what you see when you rub those crystal balls of yours. <sighs> you know what? You know, I, I, I've been taking a lot of notes when it comes to this game tonight, Rick, and uh... – you know, I have I have a handful of concerns. I have matchups to watch, you know, advantages, disadvantages, wild cards, and I have my predictions. So, you know, I guess let's just start with the concerns, right? I got to be honest. The Eagles' run defense is something I'm worried about. That's just, that's, just the, that's just the reality. When you allow DeAndre Swift, and he's no slouch, by the way. I want to make that very clear. I think DeAndre Swift is arguably a top-ten running back in his NFL. But when you allow him to gas you the way he did, not just not – just, how much he, how many yards he put up? It's the way he did it. He was able to make guys look silly, breaking tackles left and right, just going through at at times untouched. That can't happen. Dalvin Cook will carve you up, like you said. It'll be Thanksgiving in September. is is it can't happen that way. Yeah. So the run defense is something I'm concerned about. You got to get Jordan Davis in there early. You got to allow him to take up two or three blockers and get those get those linebackers running free. Fletcher Cox has to step up. Another um, another concern. The, the way we're going to cover Justin Jefferson. I understand he's a guy that you have to dedicate a lot of attention to, but I'm a little nervous about the fact that if you 
dedicate too much attention to them, you're going to leave so much, you're going to leave so much food on the table for other guys to take advantage of. And then obviously I mentioned earlier, the tackling that can't happen. Once again, you're leading the league in tackles in week one. How do you go from being a team that never led the league in missed tackles and all of a sudden you lead the league in missed tackles? That can't happen. That's on personnel. I don't know if it's, they were a little sluggish. They were moving a little slow. There was communication issues. I'm not sure if they expected this Detroit Lions team to lay down and die. You could you could take your pick on that, but the Eagles have to come in and none of their arm tackling, body tackles, make these guys feel you. You dig what I'm saying? And uh, Daniel Hunter and, Z- and Zadarius Smith paying close attention to those guys. Both of those guys had a sack last week. Had a sack last week on Green Bay. And granted, the Green Bay offensive line is not the Eagles' offensive line, but the Eagles in pass pro have struggled on the blitz. So I fully anticipate that Green Bay team to. Well, not Green Bay, but the Minnesota Vikings to try to mimic what the Detroit Lions did. Yeah, and you make a point about the uh, the run game. Even Jamal Williams, I thought, was breaking tackles and carrying defenders. And, like, for Dalvin Cook's over under rushing yards to be set at 70 and a half seems extremely low to me. <laughs> I don't know why, but to me, the Eagles better get it together. Uh, or they're going to have – or he'll have 170 <laughs> rushing yards. That's the kind of game Dalvin Cook can have here. And I think, you know, I'm going to chalk it up to just a lot of new faces in new places, Tone. Maybe, you know, they had early season butterflies, but we can't we can't blame the Club Med training camp because they had the same cushiony training camp last season. Right. And they led the NFL and tackled – you know, missed tackles. They only had six – missed tackles per game, which was the best in the league. So it's hard to blame it on the training camp. I think it's one game. It's a small body of work. And, you know, a lot is going to have to be changed. But you mentioned Gannon. To me, it's all about blitzing. Like, you can run the same Vic Fangio defense, but if Vic Fangio is blitzing 25% of the time and Jonathan Gannon's blitzing 15% of the time, which was the least amount of uh, the lowest blitz rate in the league last week. To me, that's, that's a scheme. That's a schematic. Like the missed tackles, that's personnel, but the scheme when you're not blitzing and you're dropping seven to 10 yards off the, like if you're playing 10 yards back off of Justin Jefferson tonight, goodbye. See ya. No, you're absolutely right. And, you know, what makes, you know, John McMullen said something really interesting this morning. He said the reason the Vic Fangio defense works is because you have to have guys coming off the edge giving pressure. And and Vic Fangio's last year with the Chicago Bears when he was their defensive coordinator, he had Khalil Mack and he had Akeem Hicks. Those guys were arguably like two of the best pass rushers in the NFL around that time. Um, Khalil Mack is with the Chargers now. I think Akeem Hicks is with the, um, the Buccaneers. So, in order for the Jonathan Gannon system to actually work, for it to be productive, you got to get guys like Hassan Reddick free. You got to get Josh Sweat around the corner. You know, you got to have you got to have guys like Fletcher Cox and Javar Hargrave. You know, um, being utilized properly. And honestly, I'm still on the fence about Fletcher Cox being fully bought in on what Jonathan Gannon is asking those guys to do. Um, he was he was one of the only guys. He was one of the main guys. I don't want to say the only because I'm pretty sure other guys had problems with it, but they just didn't say anything. Um, but Fletcher Cox was one of the main guys last year 
that that verbally had an issue with the way he was being used in Gannon's defense. So um, I'm still concerned whether he's still bought in fully or if he or, or if he ever was. Um, but, you know, this is a game where the defensive line has an opportunity to dominate. But what, how will they be used? How will they be deployed? Um, will Hassan Reddick, you know, begin to earn that $15 million contract? You dig what I'm saying? So there's there's several factors in this game that you have to look out for, but I believe it begins and ends with the trenches. If the Philadelphia Eagles can dominate the trenches and, and not Kirk Cousins off his spot, because let's be honest, Kirk Cousins is a guy, yes, he's accurate. He's he, he's a, he's an anomaly, if you ask me, because he's someone who, if you look at the eye test, you don't really see what the numbers are saying. He, he He's he's accurate. He completes 67, 68, you know, 70% of his passes regularly, you know, multiple 4,000-yard seasons, you know, doesn't turn the ball over. His numbers don't translate to what you see. He's not clutch, if you ask me. He he doesn't do well in primetime games for the most part. He's a guy that's just that's an enigma. He he he's 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 fascinating. He's a case study if you ask me. But if but 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 if you have to if you if you can knock him off his spots, if you can get physical with him, if you can if you can speed up that internal clock in his head, then the Eagles have a shot. And then at that point, him and Justin Jefferson, their timing will be off. He's going to be forced to throw that ball sooner than 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 what he would like. Yeah, listen, Kirk Cousins, he's been in this league for well over a decade. Tone, he's one time, one season. He's won double digit games. That's that's what I'm how much is right. That's the kind of translation you're getting here. So I agree with you. It starts in the trenches. And we mentioned they got a rookie guard in Ed Ingram who gave up five pressures and a sack last week. Garrett Bradbury, they don't want anything to do with this guy. They try to sign JC Treader out of retirement before the season. This guy gave up four pressures last week. So if Fletcher Cox has a problem with the defense, do something about it tonight. Show me something. Otherwise, yeah. you can go the Kenny Galladay route and clean out your locker as far as I'm concerned because you, you, you know, you were a weak link last week, Fletcher Cox. And so he's got to step his game up. We do want to see more Jordan Davis. I think the whole defensive line, not only from a tackling standpoint, Tone, but just from a one-on-one, mano-a-mano, like Hassan Reddick has got to be in the backfield. We got to see Josh Sweat be some kind of pass rusher tonight. I agree on the flip side. Uh, you know, Philadelphia did a great job. We saw what Hutchinson and Charles Harris did yesterday. Philadelphia now, that offensive line in pass protection, keeping, keeping those pass rushers at bay at least, did a great job last week. We'll see how that plays out tonight. Drum roll, please. I got to get the official tone to Shields prediction. And I know you'll be down there at the Ocean Casino Resorts for the Eagles pre and post game tonight. Definitely. Have a cold soda pop for me, would you? But give me the official tone to Shields prediction for this Eagles Vikings matchup. Oh, uh, well, I don't know about soda pop, Rick, but it might be, it, it might, it might be a Corona extra. So um, let me tell you this, man. For tonight, I say the Philadelphia Eagles win this game, a close one, 31 to 27. I Ooh. think I think the Eagles take a late lead. I think the Vikings have the ball last, and they try to make a drive down the field. They need a touchdown, but they go four and out. Eagles take the victory, uh, the victory lap, you know, the victory formation, and then the game's over. So I think Eagles win 31-27. All right. 
31-27. It's at two and a half. Uh, Tony's got the Eagles. I'll get my prediction later on in the show after our Howard uh, Balzer segment. Speaking well, of Howard Balzer, he has arrived. So Howard Balzer is good. Howard go has arrived. Way. All right, here's what we'll do, Tone. Uh, I appreciate the time. I'm going to do a quick two-minute drill on college football. Then we'll take a break and we'll pop Howard on. So we got the official Tone to Shields pick in the books. That's the super producer behind the scenes. Sometimes we pop them on the, on the scenes. Um, I had some college football notes I wanted to get out to you all. And how about uh, Appalachian State Mountaineers again? They done did it again. Uh, Appalachian State. Did you guys see this game, by the way? Out of all the comebacks <laughs> that were going on in the NFL, this Appalachian State team did it again. And I remember where I was when Cordell Stewart threw that Hail Mary to Michael Westbrook. I was sitting in my parents' living room watching it. Uh, similar situation with, with with the Appalachian State Hail Mary. My, I bought my daughter uh, uh, Oceana. I bought her the uh, My Little Pony VIP on a little iPad. Figured to keep her busy. Here I am Saturday trying to watch the last play as I I pop on Appalachian State and they throw the Hail Mary. I'm like trying to peek over my daughter's iPad as the Hail Mary bomb gets deflected. It wasn't quite the hook and lateral. It was a Hail Mary that got deflected at the goal line. In comes the Appalachian State receiver, takes it in for the score, last second play. What a game. What a game. That was the best game of the weekend. Uh, and how about some college football matchups? Let's talk about Appalachian State. Let's talk about Herm Edwards. Hello. You play to win the game. Hello. Herm Edwards is out at Arizona State. We'll get Howard Balzer's thoughts on that after the break. Uh, Nebraska, they fired their coach, Scotty Frost, last week. Defensive coordinator goes this week. Bye-bye, Oklahoma Oklahoma lit them up. Um, three teams to keep an eye on that I'm higher than others. Kentucky with Will Levis. Tennessee with the way their schedule is shaping up could be a major player at come season then. And Texas, even without Quinn Ewers, that Bajon Robinson had three touchdowns. Uh, he's in the Heisman contention. You know, we talk about the Eagles and big-bodied running backs. They'll have no shot at Bajon Robinson, who will be a first-round pick. But how about Chase Brown of Illinois? This guy, his stock is skyrocketing. He's looking like a senior ball invite if you if you look online. And then Muhammad Abraham from Minnesota, this guy uh, – Coming off two torn ACLs, he's like Stephen Davis reincarnated. He pushed the pile. This is Muhammad Abraham is a big bruising back. Somebody on day three to keep an eye on uh, for the Eagles, for running backs. Brock Bowers from Georgia. He's only a sophomore. He's not draft eligible this year. I heard somebody compare him to Travis Kelsey. I like it. I like it a lot. Brock Bowers was in on the reverse. He scored three different ways, three different touchdowns. Keep an eye on that young man. Uh, he's the best tight end prospect in the nation right now. He's only a sophomore. And then C.J. Stroud, he continues to cushion his numbers for a potential Heisman Trophy candidacy. 11 touchdowns, zero interceptions for C.J. Stroud. And he will probably get the invitation to the Heisman. I hope Will Anderson 
gets the invitation to New York City for the Heisman because last week he had the big sack. This week he had the pick six, first pick six interception, touchdown, five tackles in each of the first three weeks. Will Anderson is the best player on that Alabama team. Now, people have a different interpretation of what Heisman, the definition of the Heisman Trophy. A lot of people seem to think it's the best quarterback on the best team, which would maybe be C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. Not so fast, my friends. Uh, This Will Anderson, not only does he have a chance to be the number one overall pick, he's got a legitimate shot, legitimate shot to be a Heisman Trophy. He would be the first defensive player since Charles Woodson to win the Heisman Trophy. Right now, through three weeks, he's got my vote. Got my vote. So I wanted to dabble in the college football, get that in a little bit. Uh, When we come back, okay, we got Philadelphia native, Howard Balzer, longtime NFL insider, is going to join us on the football playbook. We'll continue to break down the Eagles-Vikings. We'll dabble into the NFL. We're counting you down. Monday Night Football, home. For your Eagles pre and post game here on the Jacob Sports Channel at the Ocean Casino Resorts. It's going down tonight at the gallery. Make sure you get in where you fit in. We'll be back right after this to bring you home down the home stretch right here on the Football Playbook. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement. But would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community, a sports roundup for the locals, and the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call.
Back at it again. It's the football playbook with your boy RIC and the place to be. Hit that like button if you like what you're listening or watching. If you're here on YouTube, the Jacob Sports channel here, uh, breaking it down until 12 o'clock. Sports take coming up, followed by Dan Cilio's show. Uh, but we are honored and privileged, like we are every Monday, to have the great, the legendary Howard Balzer, of course, NFL Hall of Fame voter, uh, now with the Phoenix Cardinals, our uh, Arizona Cardinals beat writer with his new website. We'll tell you about in a second. But first, Howard, I got to kick it off with you out there in the desert. Good morning. Thank you for joining us here. Is Dick Vermeil being honored tonight? Is that the situation with this Hall of Fame ceremonies? Yes, he is. And every year during the season, after the Hall of Famers have participated in Canton, obviously in August, and they get the bust and the gold jacket and all those things. Of course, they don't get the bust, but they unveil the bust, get the gold jacket. Well, there's also a ring of excellence that every Hall of Famer receives at the stadium of his choice when there is someone who gets it who is with multiple teams. And tonight in the link, Dick Vermeil will receive his Hall of Fame ring, which quite frankly, Rick, I was glad to see that he chose Philly instead of Los Angeles, where he could have picked to go, maybe even Kansas City, but didn't get to a Super Bowl uh, with that franchise. Won a Super Bowl, of course, with the Rams when they were in St. Louis, lost when he was with the Eagles. And I'm just kind of thinking, hoping that deep down, Dick Vermeule said, maybe if this, maybe if the, there was still a team in St. Louis, I'd be doing it there because we won the Super Bowl. But, but L.A., ah. Even though, even though, by the way, his first head, not his first, his first coaching job in the NFL was as a special teams coach, the first special teams coach in the National Football League with the Rams when George Allen was the head coach in 1969. But he chose Philly, obviously, first head coaching job in the NFL, still lives in the Philadelphia area. So I'm glad to see that uh, he will be honored in Philadelphia uh, this evening. Yeah, good friend of the show, Dick Vermeil is. And, um, you know, I know he mentioned during his Hall of Fame induction, he he owes his career to Philadelphia. And it is interesting that, you know, he, he rebuilt three NFL programs, the Chiefs, yeah. the Eagles, the Rams. He won the Super Bowl. The Rams, the greatest show on turf, you can, you can argue that that was the greatest offense of all time. A few people might argue with you. His decision to go in as a Philadelphia Eagle, as our friend uh, Bob Wiley mentioned, everybody talks about getting fitted for the yellow jacket. He said, it's really the blue ring is, yes. is what guys are, are looking for, right? And, and it is debatable. Certainly everyone can throw up some other teams there uh, with that greatest show. But I always go back, Rick, to the great quote that Bum Phillips, long ago coach of the Houston Oilers said when he was asked when he had Earl Campbell as his running back and someone asked him, is Earl Campbell the best running back you've ever seen or coached? And Bum Phillips in his Texas drawl, which I can't imitate very well, said, well, I don't know if he's the best, but he's among them. And, and that offense with the Rams is certainly among the greatest of all time. And real quick, because I know we got a lot to talk about here. You mentioned Philadelphia getting him his start. He owes his career there. It was, it was quite amazing. At the Gold Jacket dinner on Friday, he had three of his quarterbacks from his three NFL teams come up on stage 
on when he got his gold jacket. Kurt Warner, Ron Jaworski, and Trent Green in Kansas City. When he went out on the stage, when he was introduced in Canton, he brought John Shara with him. Whoever was going to, who the heck is that? Well, he was his quarterback at UCLA who helped UCLA upset Ohio State in the 1976 Rose Bowl. And as Dick Vermeil said, without John Shara and without that win, the Philadelphia Eagles don't even call me about becoming their head coach. So he has a great appreciation for those moments along the way that led to the next opportunity, whatever came next. And, and certainly, uh, you know, Philadelphia, though, like you said, was the jump, the jump start for, uh, for his head coaching career in the NFL and got a chance to see Vince Papali uh, in Canton. Invincible was there, who, by the way, who, by the way, the 1980 NFL draft, when I was a part of the ESPN telecast, the first time they ever did it, part of the panel that I was with in Canton included Vince Papali. So when I saw him that night, he looks at me and he goes, I recognize you. Who are you? I said, Howard Balzer. We did the, oh my goodness. It was, it was, it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. Well, I know uh, you had a, a, ha- a helping hand in the candidacy for Dick Vermeil presenting his case. So happy to see him get in. Even happier to see him go in as a Philadelphia Eagle. And, of course, you being a Philadelphia native, uh, let's stick on that talking point because we have the Eagles at home, at the link. Uh, tickets are going for, like, close to 1500 bucks, Howard. It's going to be a sold-out affair. Uh, the fans are going to be gassed up, to say the least, but not so fast. These Minnesota Vikings, yeah. balanced attack, took care of business against the Green Bay Packers in week one. On paper, you could say these are uh, two very evenly matched teams and two teams that could be there in the end in the NFC in terms of contenders. Uh, give us the Howard Balzer breakdown. How do you see this matchup? Yeah, I, I think you're 100% right on that. And I think the biggest thing with the Vikings right now was, you know, everyone talks about Kirk Cousins, deservedly so. Everyone talks about the quarterback. Kirk Cousins played pretty good football for the Vikings over the years. Granted, hasn't come through in, quote, the big games, but he's a competent quarterback and with excellent players around him, with Justin Jefferson, you know, with Adam Thielen, with Dalvin Cook at running back. The big thing to me to watch tonight and is what, the Vikings did in week one is the defense. That was really, I think, what led to Mike Zimmer. There are a lot of reasons, obviously, but Mike Zimmer, former head coach of the Vikings, was known for his defense. And the Vikings didn't play very good defense the last couple of years. This year, now, granted, it's only one game, but here's two names to keep in mind. And I believe one of them is a New Jersey native. Mike Pettin, who has been a head coach in the league and a longtime defensive coordinator, is the assistant head coach. Uh, to Kevin O'Connell, first year as head coach of the Vikings. He's assistant head coach. And then there's Ed Donatel, who's in his 33rd year in the NFL. He's the defensive coordinator. So obviously Kevin O'Connell hired competent guys to lead that defense. So to me, that's going to be the interesting, quote, game within a game tonight to see how that Eagles offense does against the Vikings defense. And if the Vikings can play as, as good as they did last week against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. And they're at home. You know, the Vikings are at home for this one. And that's – you talk about – oh, no, I'm sorry. It's Philadelphia. What am I saying? Yeah, it, 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 the Eagles are at home. But, you know, the Vikings have to show they can win on the road. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. 
Well, but de- defense doesn't matter. You know, defense doesn't matter in terms of the crowd noise. They just get out there and play. So the Eagles are going to be challenged by that defense tonight. No, you make a great point, though. It's something I've been echoing all last week was Kevin O'Connell knows what he doesn't know. <laughs> right? He's like, hey, I'm this great offensive mind. Let me hire Ed Donatel as defensive coordinator. Let me hire Mike Patton as assistant head coach. Oh, by the way, as if that wasn't enough, let me hire Greg Minuski as yeah. my linebacker coach. Who's also a coordinator. Yeah. So another guy that's been hanging out in the NFL for like 30 plus years. I look at Nick Sariani and I look at Howie Roseman. I think Howie Roseman doesn't want after Doug Peterson, he doesn't want the alpha coach that's going to stand up and, and speak what he believes in. He wants puppets. <laughs> he wants puppets like Nick Sariani, like, Jonathan Gannon, who's really a quality control slash defensive back coach trying to play the role of defensive coordinator, which begs to ask, like Vic Fangio is just hanging out, Howard. Like, why can't – like, you see Mike Patton is assistant head coach. Like, why can't we drag Vic Fangio off the couch, give him an assistant head coach? What do you want to do, Vic? You want to hang out in the press box? You want to sit at home and call it in? Like, Jonathan Gannon needs a lot of help. Why not hire Vic Fangio to be a consultant of some sorts? Who knows? I mean, you, you, you never know what, what things might happen. It's interesting you bring that up because Dick Vermeil was like that all the time. He'd bring in consultants everywhere. He, he brought in Sid Gelman uh, to help with the offense uh, in different places. So you, you can never be, as a head coach, you can never be intimidated or worried about who you hire. You want to get the best. And so, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out there in Philly. You know, Vic Fangio might be, content for this year to kind of just sit back why everybody has a price though howard well, yeah, no, I'm not, well but yeah but he's already getting paid you know that's the thing about it he's getting paid and so that's what that's sometimes coaches kind of enjoy that yeah. not having the pressure and stepping away from it for a little bit of time again it doesn't mean that if for the right situation that he wouldn't uh, come in somewhere but it, but it's also it can also be difficult if you do that once the season has begun. And so we'll see. I mean, I, I, you know, you never say never in the NFL, but he will, I'll say this, Vic Fangio will be somewhere in 2023. There's no doubt about it. You would imagine. And, you know, last point I'll make is his last year at Chicago, he blitzed 23.5% of the time. Jonathan Gannon, 15% last week, the lowest percentage in the NFL. So that's what I want to see. Uh, improve upon, especially with a really, really inexperienced subpar interior offensive line, guys like Garrett Bradbury, Ed Ingram, the rookie. I think the Eagles could really, that could be the difference. That's where they will win if they do win this ball game. So Howard balls are here, uh, breaking it down, chopping it up with us each and every Monday. There's two games on Monday night tonight, Howard, before we get into Buffalo and Tennessee, let's get the official Howard Balzer prediction. The Eagles are favored by two and a half, over under 50 points. To me, it's a coin toss matchup. Who do you have, Eagles and Vikings? Well, I think it is a toss-up type game. I kind of lean almost thinking that the Vikings will win, but I don't want to upset all my old friends in Philadelphia. <laughs> so I'll say the Eagles will win it, but heck, it's going to be a battle. Like I said, it yeah. You never know with a game with turnovers and all those things, but it 
I, I'll go with the Eagles, but certainly wouldn't surprise me to see uh, the Vikings move to 2-0 and on the season. Yeah, I mean, the Eagles are favored by two and a half. I'd be leery about laying the points. I think it's going to be that close. I'll have my prediction uh, before we close the show out, but we haven't talked much about the other Monday night football game, which is Buffalo versus uh, Tennessee. The Titans falling to the Giants, falling victim to the Giants in week one. Uh, Derrick Henry, you know, is going to have something to say about this contest. They're getting 10 points, which is yeah, a lot. It is a lot. Uh, but Buffalo, they took care of business against the defending champs pretty handedly. How do you see this matchup uh, quickly here, Buffalo versus Tennessee? I think it'll be closer than 10. I'd expect the Titans to bounce back from that loss. The Bills, even though they have the, quote, mini-buy after playing on the first Thursday of the season, do have some injuries. Uh, Gabe Davis, the receiver, got hurt in practice. They have some injuries in the middle of the defensive line. So, I think the Bills, the Bills, the Bills are going to be up against it tonight. I, I do think at, at home they'll find a way to win it, but I think it's a fair, fair assumption. Maybe, maybe shouldn't never assume anything, but I think I think it's a fair result to think that this game will be closer than that ten point line. Yeah, I think so. Ten points is a lot in the National Football League, and again, anytime you have Derrick Henry, I would imagine they're going to try to milk that clock, keep it close because. Ryan Tannehill doesn't want to get into a shootout with Josh Allen. I'm going to take the Titans plus the 10. I think the Bills take care of business, get the W. I'll take the Titans plus the 10. That's a lot of points. Uh, talking to the great Howard Balzer here of GoPhoenix.com. Make sure you check out GoPhoenix.com. That's G-O-P-H-N-X.com for all of Howard's coverage on the Arizona Cardinals. Philadelphia native now out in the desert. Uh, there was a good one out in the valley between the Cardinals and the Raiders. I mean, I mentioned the play of the the play of the day yesterday on Sunday had to been the Kyler Murray two point conversion where he actually had the ball in his hands for twenty seconds of gameplay clock. My man Tone, the producer behind the scenes, said he ran for like eighty or eighty five yards on that play to get that two point conversion. What a but that's Kyler Murray in a nutshell. That's the game-changing experience that he brings to the table, right? It is amazing. And it was actually closer to 21 seconds. I think it was like 20.87 or something. And next-gen stats had him running 84. And it was funny. I was watching highlights last night, and they showed the Lamar Jackson up the middle. I think it was a 75-yard touchdown run. I said, look at that. He ran straight for 75 yards and scored a touchdown. And Kyler Murray ran around for 84 on for a play two. that began at the two-yard line on a two-point conversion. But yes. it was – it's just unbelievable to watch. That's what Kyler Murray can do. And it's it, it's it's pretty phenomenal. And Cliff Kingsbury said afterwards when he was asked about it, obviously what a special talent he is. He says, I don't think there's another player on the planet that could have made that play. And they needed two touchdowns late with two-point conversions to tie the game. And then, of course, send it to overtime where they got a fumble return to win it. But just you just shake your head at that game, man. Go, go, thanks for mentioning gophnx.com. I had to write a story on that last night. I'm going, where do I begin? How do I end it? What do I, I mean, it, it was, it was, a, it was a saga uh, to talk about this game, especially the difference in the first half and the second half. This game started out just like the Cardinals game last week against Kansas city, where they were just dominated in the first half. Kansas city had 488 yards in the first half. And then the Raiders had 258 in the first half 
of this game yesterday to take a 20 to nothing lead. And you're going, oh, oh, oh my goodness, here we go again. But something flipped in the second half, mostly on defense, because that defense, think of this, had given up 700 and I think it's 46 yards in the first six quarters of this season. Then the Raiders only had 66 yards after halftime, including overtime. So uh, the defense got some stops. Cardinals had some had some nice drives and got a much needed uh, victory after that week one loss. What a thriller. Uh, A.J. Green with a big catch there at the end. Byron Murphy coming up with the big fumble recovery to seal the deal. And suddenly, I mean, how do you handicap this NFC West? A lot of te- a lot of people thought this was the toughest division in football. Suddenly, Trey Lance goes down. Jimmy G's uh, guiding the ship. St. Louis, I mean, the Ram- L.A. Rams look like they got a Super Bowl hangover. Two more interceptions from Stafford. Five INTs through his first two weeks. Uh, the Seahawks, I don't think anybody's taking very serious with Geno Smith. But, you know, to me, I kind of like the 49ers now a little bit more with Jimmy yeah. G. How do you see this NFC West uh, shaking down or breaking down? Well, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. And it's amazing how it worked out for the 49ers, because if he hadn't had shoulder surgery back in early March or whenever it was, he probably would have been traded. And who knows who the 49ers backup would have been when Garoppolo was just on the sideline all summer. I mean, he never even practiced. He was just on a side field, just throwing a little bit and doing this and that. And their backup at the time was Nate Sudfeld. I mean, that's who might be the guy had Garoppolo gone elsewhere. But now he, he's back as the starter. He, he lends some calm, some stability to that team. We know how good they are defensively. And I'll tell you, the, the, the Cardinals are in a, in a stage right now where they're kind of treading water until they get some key players back from short-term injury reserve and then have four more games now without DeAndre Hopkins. And so if they can just be hanging around 500 when Hopkins comes back, they could be primed for an excellent end of, you know, for an excellent finish to the season, unlike last year. And so, yeah, the Rams, you know, had a lead on the Falcons, almost frittered it entirely away. We'll, We'll get a pretty good indication next Sunday, Rick, when the Rams come to, Arizona to play the Cardinals, where the Cardinals now, by the way, have lost six consecutive home games dating back to last season. Mm-hmm. And the win yesterday, since the start of last season, makes them nine and one in road games since last season. So Cardinals have to figure out how to play a lot better at home. And next Sunday could be a telling game against the Rams, because that's where it started to go really bad for the for the Cardinals last year. When they were playing the Rams on a Monday night, they could have pretty much secured the division with a win that night. And Hopkins went out with a knee injury, didn't play again. And so uh, this will this will be big uh, for them. By the way, they lost James Conner in the game yesterday on, on the first possession of the third quarter. Cardinals got the ball to start the third quarter and went, you know, got had four plays for two yards. And mm-hmm. the only reason they had four plays because they got a first down on a face mask penalty on, on the Raiders. And Connor got hurt, didn't play again. But Daryl Williams came off the bench. You know, Benjamin played well. And they ran the ball and got some production from those guys the, West, the rest of the way without uh, James Connor. So don't know the seriousness yet for him. But there'll, there'll be some key, obviously a lot of key questions going into that game uh, next Sunday. But every team in the NFC West now is one-on-one. <laughs> How about that? Every, yeah. Everyone's one-on-one. 
No, and uh, it, it's shaping up to be a separation Sunday with uh, the Rams and the Cardinals. You got the uh, Packers and the Bucks. You got the Bills and the and the Dolphins. So we're gonna find out. I didn't get a chance. We're out of. We're running out of time. Wanted to pick your brain on Herm Edwards, who's out at Arizona State. But we only have a minute or two. Of course, Howard Balls are from GoPhoenix.com. That's G-O-P-H-N-X.com. Uh, quickly here, minute or two. Any any other topics that you want to uh, talk about here from the NFL Week 2 action? Well, you know, again, just fantastic finishes uh, once again, even though for, even for those teams that came from behind and, and just fell short, you know, the Jets – uh, coming from behind to beat the Browns. Yeah. And by the way, and the Dolphins with Tua throwing six touchdown Ooh. passes. By the way, the Cardinals and the Dolphins. This is the first time in history, first time in history on the same day that two teams came back from a halftime deficit of 20 points or more and won the game. So it just shows no, yeah. no matter how you're looking in the first half, many things can change. And, and the Jets, the Jets were down by thirteen with two minutes to go. Minutes to go. Yeah, and 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 the Browns, they, they shouldn't have scored that touchdown. They were on the twelve yard line with a little over two minutes to go. Jets had no timeouts left, and Nick Chubb breaks through the line and scores. He should have went down. He should have went down because then they would have basically been able to run out the rest of the clock deep in Jets territory. But he scored, and then we we saw what happened the rest of the way with Joe Flacco leading an amazing comeback. Unbelievable. He is Howard Balzer, longtime NFL insider, Hall of Fame voter. Of course, uh, gophoenix.com. That's G-O-P-H-N-X.com for all your Cardinals coverage. And we'll have Howard every Monday here. We're running out of time. Uh, big shout out to Howard and to Tone. The Sports Take guys are coming up at noon tomorrow. We will have Ed Kratz from Eagles today, Ben Standing from The Athletic, and Nikki Jabavala from Washington Post. So we'll get over the hump with the uh, Vikings. We'll get into Commander's Week. It's a can't-stop-won't-stop stop situation on the football playbook here with Rick Saratella. We'll be back at it again tomorrow. We'll try to do better the next time. See you later, everybody. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the stakes and the stakes, go to get your parlay on, go to get your party on, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean, visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. 